Hello, and welcome to the So It Goes podcast. Me, Dylan. And me, Rob. And in today's episode, we're speaking to the psychedelic porn crumpets. This is a, uh, I would say an up-and-coming uh, indie band from Australia, but they're actually quite big. And they um, have loads of um, interesting stories to say about their influences in music, gigging experiences, just um, how they write songs, um, as well as other things. Plus, there's a few funny stories in there as well. We spoke to Jack from the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, and he was a really interesting guy. And they are a fantastic band, so I do highly recommend you all check them out. Anyway, without further ado, let's welcome Jack from the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets to So It Goes. So I think the first thing what we should talk about and what we've spoken to to so many people about is like the pandemic and you're based in Australia. So like, yeah, I mean, but I can only talk from what I can see from where we are in the UK. It looks a lot like you guys have it sussed now and it's pretty much done. So I don't know, but like, how was it going? How was it? Yeah, how is the pandemic? I think for us, it's like, yeah, we we've seem to have it under control, like which is nice. So we've been doing gigs again, which has been pretty fun. Like, uh, yeah, we had two weeks back in quarantine where a security guard who was working, looking after the people who were in quarantine or isolation who would come back from traveling. Uh, there was like four people with active cases in a hotel. And then the security guard got COVID and the whole of WA went into lockdown. So we had like one case. The whole of WA goes into lockdown. Mm. And then, uh, but luckily nothing happened. So like now we have zero cases again. So we're all back out. Uh, it was really nice for like the, the first couple of weeks after that. Cause I think everyone was sort of taking it seriously and what we have done, but uh, yeah, Australia seems to have sort of just got above it or got on top of it at least mm. where we can be like, all right, let's go out. Let's ha- everyone mm. have fun. But if something does happen, they're sort of being like, everyone back into your house. Like, that's it. You, like, you're staying at home. So it's kind of good, but it's also like, I know, at least gigs are going back again, which is nice. There's been a question we've been asking, like, everyone, but I think you'd be able to give quite a good answer, is that we've been talking about what would it be like to go back to playing concerts in that moment when you walk on the stage for the first time after the pandemic. But you've had that moment, so what was it like? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was such a strange, like, realisation that you were almost one of the only countries in the world that was allowing people to gather, not only just, like, at a certain place or a festival, it was, like, just to be able to watch music and live music in a place that... Because I, I, there's also sort of a mentality, I think, when, when the time... Because it happened in, like, September, so... For us, there was almost this point, like, are we allowed to do it? Is this legal? Is what's going on? And we found out the person that put on the festival, so uh, somehow found a loophole in, like, the Australian, like, because you couldn't have festivals. And so what they did was say there was one band playing is the West Australian New Symphony Orchestra, or, like, the New Alternative Orchestra. And the bands were just interchanging. So it was, like, the same band who we paid and then would pay them separately. (laughs) 
And so it was like such a genius move by this guy that I'm like, oh, I had a beer with him afterwards. Like, That's brilliant. That's the best thing I've seen. But I mean, West Australia is pretty, we, we were out in the middle of nowhere, Wave Rock. So uh, it was unreal. Pond played. We had like the, the Tame Impala did a DJ set. It was like the the height of the West Australia music scene, just like in one like 2000 cap hub. Everyone sort of, the ticket sold out in like literally like three or four minutes. And we don't have a very big population here, but when it was like something like that happening, you're like, all right, we've got to go. We've got to sort of be part mm. of it. And luckily we're playing. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm terrified of playing live again. I've had too much time inside that I've become a bit of a hermit. And I was just mm. like, they never take me out again. I've got used to it. Oh, that's cool, man. Just so we know, though, is that thing about his loophole common knowledge or not? It's not like if we kept that bit in, we'd get told off or anything. Is it like? Oh, it doesn't matter. I, I don't right, think it's common knowledge, but you can keep it in. They'll they'll tell me. I mean, screw it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, like, you've also released an album fairly yeah. recently. Am I right in saying it came out during the pandemic? Yeah, like this. Well, it came out. It was like a month ago, or like a month and a half ago. So there, so there was like it was supposed to be released last April, and um, I'd basically been writing a bunch of stuff up till then. And sort of as soon as the COVID sort of hit, it was like for us, we were able to go back to the drawing board and really sit down and be like, what do we want to write? And obviously, being I record everything at home. So I just have like bedrooms over there. This is my little studio, but you're seeing the back wall at the moment. I got, mm. I'll, I'll spin you around. So I've just got my little setup here, the, the old, the oh, old wow. gas. Oh, nice. A couple of bits of broken pieces down there, but <laughs> it's just, it's just tiny. It's like enough for me to sort of work, get by, come up with some ideas. And then, and then uh, from that point, I can show the band and be like, all right, this is what song like, I think will work well on the album. But giving me like whatever it was like three months of like isolation and quarantine I was like oh thank fuck like I can basically just spend as much time as I like inside writing and so I sort of planned on releasing it as like three albums which then cut down to one album and now I'm sort of working on the second one which is uh it's kind of harder because I think I, I wouldn't mind getting out and doing some other sort of bits and pieces before I come back to a porn conference record, just because mm. your ideas and tend to sort of, or at least a tour and see how these songs work. Because mm. before you, like the last thing you want is to be like, yeah, people were like that. So let's write more of that. And then you write another album, then you go and do the gigs and they're just like, no, we want more of this shit. And you're like, oh fuck. So, all right, okay, now I'm going to go back again. Mm. It's, it's a, I'm not playing them live. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about like touring and using that as, almost like to practice your set list because um, Mark Knoppler from Dire Straits said that he always tried to, he found it hard to get like the balance right because if you did a load of tours, you'd never write anything new because you'd be too busy mm. setting up and practicing and then vice versa. And he said the only yeah. way you'd know if an album was good is if you sort of went and toured it and then it was like, oh my God, them songs are mint. And then you'd know that it'd be a safe bet to release. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, but we try to do opposite. It's like, I think we've got, as in, if you, we've learned the songs beforehand and then played them live, uh, would be never released an album, I reckon. So it's like, I sort of just <laughs> right here, just have two fingers crossed and go, please like go out. Like, are they working? But I think it's nice because I don't really write songs as much or they're definitely songs, but I, I write like, 20 in that style and then be like all right let's build an album from that and mm. work an album so 
like if someone doesn't li like an album per se, it's like, well, you kind of know that there's another one coming and it's not like you're being left and, and, and that's all we have to write. So it's nice being able to sort of just transition between different thoughts, different tour stories. And I think that's how I've sort of got with Shy Girl. The last release was like all the just stupid shit that happened on tour that was just like, where were we, what was happening? And it was almost like this rat race of a record. So I wanted to keep that pace going with what we were doing then. Mm. But now because it's like COVID, you're in lockdown, everything's like so pretty and like acoustic. I'm just like, no one really wants to hear that in porn this gig. So there'll be like all this heavy stuff and then just me coming on and be like, and now for clams and love. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I like with your new album, you yeah. like people Sorry, seem to have... Fucking roast. Uh, no, it's all right, man. I was so even going to draw like attention to that. Yeah. That's how professional I am. I was just going to roll with that. And oh, you're so good. Like, so with your album, people seem to really connect with it. And it's, it seemed to have done quite well. And like, there was a track of the band on like a playlist on quite a well known British radio station. So, oh, like, really? yeah, did that look like a little bit of a shock? I have no idea where it gets listened to or heard, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I sort of sit here like a, I don't know, just a slow paced West Australian man who just really doesn't know who his <laughs> listeners are. But uh, yeah, if it did, if it reached that far, it's always, it always gives me a bit of a tickle to be like, who the hell is listening to this stuff? Who would like the psychedelic porn crumbs? I don't know. And then you're like, all right. It's almost like taking your life is like a little bit with a pinch of salt, but like you kind of have to be, not the meme, but almost like you've got to, you can't just write certain songs because it's never going to fit under that bracket. But then mm. if we were going to be a serious band, it's like probably should have called it something else. And so I'm sort of riding this wave where it's like, all right, what what do I like doing? And while I'm still sort of like fairly young, just being like, all right, I'll just pump out some heavy hitting adrenaline kind of uh Paste tunes, but I'd love to write something more like Sega Ross, God Speed You Black Emperor, like Bjork. But I feel like it's going to be just people like, nah, go back, like you do this well. So it's, it's like, I, I don't know. And if it gets played on whatever radio station, then that's amazing. So mm -hmm. it always gives me a tickle. Yeah. Um. So, like, with, when it comes to sort of songwriting, what would you say inspires you to write songs? Man, it's really mundane things. Like, I don't know, like a lot of the album was about just like doing the, um, uh, like one of them, the hats off of the green bins was about doing our rent inspection and cleaning the garden. Uh, the rest was just my, my walk to the bottle shop and just like your sort of local encounters. And then I think, I don't know, I've always liked trying to keep the lyrics less uh, out there, if that makes Like it's not too outlandish because if you have a narrative within the lyrics, then that can almost hold a listener to make, if, you, if your music's going off and doing loads of different shit, but the lyrics are kind of keeping this straight narrative, then it's something to keep hold of. And mm. if both of them are doing it, you're going to be so lost. It's going to sort of end up as a confusing, like, how did I get here? So for me, it's like uh, the music always comes first and then I'll write lyrics to like what I've sort of wrote or what I'm going through and, um, or how the song sort of is changing. I'm like, all right, how do I link that part? And sometimes that lyrical link is way easier than a musical link because your brain is like so much more uh, subjective to listen to words than notes. So if you're mm. gonna be, I don't know, it's like listening to my sugar and then being like, 
fuck, this is insane. But like, and you really can't understand the lyrics half the time in like metal music. So it's just like the, the great ear can, I can never do it. But uh, like their time signatures and whatever, I sometimes, cause it's all in the same sort of mode. Mm. That was like a weird lyrical narrative underneath that metal music, just some spoken word thing. You'd be like, where the fuck am I? It'd be way too confusing to even understand. So it, it, I don't know. I feel like the, the best bands that do it, like uh, uh, who go into time signatures, like, I, actually, where are you guys from? There was a band called Ocean Size, if you've heard of them. Oh, well, weird, like the north of the UK. Yeah. Well, they're from Manchester. They're, they're a man. Yeah. I feel really bad then because I've never <laughs> heard of them, and we oh, really? live about half an hour away from Manchester. So, oh really? Well, I they, mean, you've given us a task to do now. As yeah, soon as this is they, over, yeah. we'll be googling them. <laughs> they got this great track called "Commemorative 9/11 Teacher," and it's like it just—it's the best drum sound I've ever heard on a record. Mm. And I was like, and then, but the whole album just carries on as one piece. It's very like. Uh, prog but mm. i was so into that a band called a was it uh 65 days of static i was sort of into them at the same sort of time so like i was i was always into the really time mathy kind of rock and then slowly went into the pop world and was like all right like what what's easy for me to listen to rather than my 18 year old brain be like everything now animals as leaders just like, so it's mm. like yeah i don't know I, i'm much more i think the lyrics kind of help help get the story across a bit easier. Would you say then the like lyrics come easier than the music or vice versa? Uh, in a strange way, like maybe, but like, no, I feel like I've worked so much, like I'll sometimes finish a song and be like, this is like the best thing I've ever wrote. And then can't put lyrics to it and just scrap it because the lyric, like, well, like I can't write a vocal line or melody that kind of sits on top of it. And so I'll be like, oh, could it be an instrumental? And then I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. So it's almost like sometimes I hate the fact that you have to sing. And I think because I'm not jamming it with other people, it's like, it, it's too difficult to be like, all right, learn this, learn this, you learn this part, you learn this. And then there's all these transitions. And then once you go and get it to play, and then I'm trying to do this while trying to learn how to sing. It's like, um, it, it feels like it's just convoluted to the point of like being forced. So mm. lyrically, it's like sometimes the the best songs, like literally the best songs ever are on a 4-4 beat with an easy rhythmic like melody that just goes along with the sort of bass line mm. or guitar. Man. And then you bring in your instruments for the chorus. So it steps it up and maybe some major chord. And it's like, here we are. It's like Disney. And, and but I, I'm, it's so hard being like, how do you stray away from what sounds so normal, but trying to make your song sound not catchy, because you don't want to make it sound catchy, but just good. Like, how do you make your song sound good, but still that isn't the normal progression that you would like to normally hear? So that for me has always been a sort of kind of challenge with mm. trying to write quirky music. And I think I know more local should do that really well. Mm. I've been a big fan of for ages, and obviously King Gizzard do that. Although they're just sort of coming up with the same album now and keep going around. I wish they did another Nonagon. I want them back in that form. That, that, mm. that to me, is their, my favourite sort of release of theirs. But, it's um, a pretty good album. There's a great album. There's a, I mean, there's lots of bands that change and they do what they want or, or they become and they find a sound and they stick with that. But I think it's nice to sort of remain a little bit on the 
fence of being like, where do we sit? Like, and if people were like, oh, I'd write another one of that album, that that's the complete like crux to be like, now, now we're going off this way. So mm. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll release an album with no lyrics, I don't know. or maybe it's just all lyrics. We'll just go image and heat. There's no music. Turn turn into poets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we poets. But uh, so you've been talking quite a lot about working like you quite like to play with other people or work with other so with like other people so do you feel like the collaboration is an important part to what you guys do or uh yes and no like sometimes a collaboration can end up being like you really like a song and someone goes nah that's shit and then you hear it from <laughs> two people and then you're like fuck my songs are shit and then you're like never want to collaborate again so <laughs> but i suppose it's like you take it on constructively but we sort of have this strange thing in porn crumpets where it's like i'll write like i don't know for an album it might be like 20 to 30 songs and then i'll show everyone in like all right regardless of sort of any order be like do you like this and i'll be like yeah i really like that the bridge sucks or this i like this but that and then I'll sort of go back to the drawing board and like the 10 sort of chosen tracks and sort of rework them and try and flow them into an album and get them into a point where I like hearing them and then show everyone again. And then I sort of, before anyone hears that, I'm already in the studio with doing the drums with Danny and Danny's like, what? No, this isn't the song. I'm like, yeah, it is. Just play the drums to it. So it's like, I don't know, very much more of a dictatorship than a sort of collaboration project. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of I kind of like doing it that way because I think everyone if you if you know what you like and you know how to sort of create it then you get to a stage where I don't know like if I was struggling at any point and needed someone to write something else then I'd get them in like I can't play violin so we get a guy that's like in the mm. Western New Orchestra to come and write for us which is Danny's brother <clears throat> and then from there. I'll be able to say, sweet, that's great, but can we change these couple of this harmony and blah, 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 or whatever. And then, or maybe sometimes I'll change the song because I really like his violin part. So mm. it kind of mm. goes that way. Like if I'm ever struggling at any point, then yeah, I'd love to work with someone that's uh, doing a lot more than I can fathom. But at the moment I feel like, yeah, for what it is, it's like, it's nice just being at home and being able to record. I can like, really agree to that as well and i'm pretty sure rob can vouch for it because whenever i write a song or something there's a little bit of a dictatorship style which rob has grown very used to <laughs> knows exactly yeah. how like we work so i think we must have a very similar work ethic yeah. so to speak yeah um it's quite funny that you've said that because now i really want to say my catchphrase which i, I normally end up saying every so <laughs> Like, we've done enough of these now that Dylan keeps noticing it in the edits that I end up normally saying I'm not a musician, but... but it's, really, it's really annoying because he is a musician. I mean, if he yeah. lowered his piano, you'd see a massive... I mean, if you he'd lowered his, lowered his got, piano... That didn't make sense if you... But he's got a, a massive piano behind him and loads of yeah. violins. He was even a choir boy, but he's oh, spoken to so many people and been like... I'm not a musician, and it's so frustrating, man. I can't um, tell you but... how much it is so annoying. It is. It is weird. I think they, they, I don't think anyone really thinks they're a musician. It sounds like uh, if if you if you fully get to the stage where you're like, I'm good enough, then I think that is the time when you stop learning, and then mm. once you stop learning, then you're never going to write anything that's going to um, 
like entertain yourself or anyone else. So I don't know. It's it's yeah. The best musicians probably have no idea what they're doing as well. You just there's everyone's still confused. Do you you always feel then like with your music and stuff you want to develop and like you want to do? Oh yeah, for more? sure. I, I I don't think I would have ever released anything if it wasn't for someone just being like, "This is the deadline. You got to release it. You got to put it out." So for me, it's like I don't know. I'm still working on songs from like ten years ago, which I'm like, "Oh, I really like this. I'll just write another verse to it." And then now they're like. 12 minutes of this weird thing and i'm just like all right well no one's gonna hear it but i won't even show it to a, the band it's just like i'll just work on it and work mm. on it and work on it and for no one else really i think that for me is like it's nice to have that um just escapism to just really sort of get away from music even through recording music i don't know i just mm. at the moment been writing a lot of acoustic songs that i'm just like it, it's like you can't put a uh, a tear on where you mm. also feel because it's like if you've wrote some really good albums and then you come out with an album afterwards that you really like and you're like this is the songs I like making at the moment everyone's gonna go oh but it's not as good as your last thing so it's like you almost have to feel like you've got to go one beyond what you did before which sometimes you might just think is I don't know you also don't want to think your own work's wanky but you've got to kind of get to the point where you're like uh at least having fun. And I think that's sort of this, I think that's the crumpets kind of thing that I'm aiming for. It's like, if it doesn't sound entertaining or like at least it's not dragging on, you wouldn't want someone to skip it. I'm always like really mm. conscious that like if it's got to seven seconds or 14 seconds or 20 seconds, are you skipping at this point? And then if you've managed to get them to four minutes or six minutes, it's like, cool, like we're, we're here together. Right now we can have some fun. So. Mm. And now that's, really cool man so mm. like there's a so we've started asking people as well like and sort of like because i think it's more to do with my withdrawal symptoms of not being able to go <laughs> to concerts that much or anything oh uh, yeah and me wanting to know everything about what everyone's doing so what is your strangest gig story like what is the strangest thing strangest that's happened when you played the gig I think it was actually in Leeds. That was like, uh, we played this show. So you got, are you guys near there then, if you're near Manchester? Uh, we're like the other way. We're like south Manchester. Okay. That's more like right. to the west. So we're yeah, like Leeds relatively is probably a good hour on the train. I'm saying that with Australia, it's like, they'll go, oh yeah, it's because I know people from there. They'll go, oh, it's not that far. And you got, you're yeah, that's going, it. that's like half of England to get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, we played a gig. It was the first show we ever played in Leeds um, at the the Brudenell Hotel. The, or the yeah, and uh, it was amazing. Like that was still one of the funnest shows we've ever played. And someone came up to us after the gig and gave us this like it's like a Tupperware container, and it had a. They were like his. They were just tripping their fucking heads off. And they were like, <laughs> they were like, and they couldn't really talk to us, but they were like, here's a gift, and sort of just ran. And we were like, okay. And we're like, uh, we sort of got this gift and it was a Tupperware container that had got all this yellow sort of foam around it and made to look like a crumpet. And uh, we opened it up <laughs> and there was like this 1950s like porn, like this weird like image of like some just, uh, yeah, like some pinup chick. And we were just like, what the fuck? So sort of, <laughs> I uh, took that off and there was a crumpet inside it and underneath the crumpet was a stick of weed. And we were just like, 
that is the strangest thing that anyone has given anybody in the history of presents. But we took it around everywhere and we were like, we were like, go on, do a bite, do a bite. And we were just like, no, like, it was just this soggy crumpet underneath. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing though. And I, yeah, I think we might've bumped into them. We had, we had some good friends actually at least. They came down to the two shows that we played. Uh, they're amazing. One of them's got a tattoo on his leg of the, the owl, uh, of the, um, the smidge design. Lovely, lovely guys. I liked Leeds, actually. I thought that was, like, great pie, man. Great, great, uh, and mushy peas. I haven't had that in years. That's a very, very northern thing. Yeah, that's a very northern thing. Like, chips with yeah. gravy is another thing that... I mean, me yeah. and Rob will understand that, but I don't think yeah. anyone else will. No, chips with gravy is just mint. It is, honestly. Like, I mean, I think it's an abomination. But anyway, let's carry on. So... Okay. So there's one question we've been asking everyone, and it's if you could listen to one album for the rest of your life, what would that album be? What would that album be? Um, oh, God. Um, I'd probably go Kid A, Radiohead. I feel like that's uh, it's got enough in there that it's... Uh, mm. uh, it, transitions beautifully but also just has so many musical sort of elements to that record that you got your electronic you got your big sort of uh rock kind of stuff you got some beautiful moments and you've also got like uh i don't know that like tom york voice that can just soothe you and send you to mm. sleep or mm. pick you up or tell you uh i don't know whatever you want to hear from tom york but yeah, Kid A has been sort of my go-to record, actually. I feel like if I'm going on a long drive, it's always in the queue. So that would be mm. my record. That's a classic album, that. Mm. So, like, would you say you're a big fan of, like, Radiohead then? Yeah, for sure. I think I'd listen to them more than I've probably listened to any other band. Uh, just purely out of... It gets better on the sixth or seventh listen. There's, like, times mm. where... Heard, like, I mean, I had in rainbows on. I used to deliver pizzas, and I'd always have it in rainbows on. Sort of skip the some tracks I didn't like, and then uh, when I got a bit older, there'd be the tracks that I was listening to more. And it was like I don't want to go for the fifth step, your body snatchers, and like Jigsaw Fawn's place or whatever. And then it's now I'm listening to the nudes, your weird fishes, like your videotapes, and that. Uh, and almost going through their discography as mm. well. It's like there's so much music in there that might have missed. Uh, and it just gets better, like the way that even with their production, like who's the what's their fifth member called? What's his name? This not well, the sixth member they call. It's sort of their producer. I, I can't. Stephen Street. I could be wrong there. But no, it's nah. not. It's Nigel Godrich is the producer. Nigel Godrich. That's it. Yeah, he plays. There Aaron's. we go. Yeah, that's the one. Like, yeah, he's just got such a great ear for sound, where he's like, mm. this won't work with that. I mean, because I'm. I feel like I struggle with that more than anyone. It's like, here's 10 guitars, a bass and a drum kit. And here's my vocals like five times at the same frequency as everything else. So you're just like, ah. so it's like <laughs> to, to have that sort of person to be like, sort of uh, get you through songwriting or even listening to them about how they make music. It's like for me, like I always hear something different with Radiohead, which is nice. That's really great. And I'd also mm. like to congratulate you there on the speed you answered which album you'd listen to. Yeah. <laughs> some people have taken about 20 minutes to answer that question. Yeah. Like, so um, I think that's like a record for the podcast. It is. So. Yeah. 
Uh, is it? Not, yeah, normally they just end up looking at us like we've just offended the, like, the, the family. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, another question we ask everyone as well is your dream collaborator or, like, is there one particular artist you'd love uh, to work with? Yeah, I, I always used to say Mars Volta, and I always felt like that would be, like, sort of a really fun collaboration. But that was mm. when I was more into sort of the time signatures and writing stuff. And I think now it's, like, I've got, I think, more into that, uh, I don't know, just start trying to understand frequencies and bits and pieces and how music is actually put together rather than how what the idea of the song is and i think i should probably go back to what the idea of the song is but if there was someone i had to work with on a record i'd say it would have to be rick rubin i just love his discography of how many people he's worked That's with amazing yeah like how he's gone through hip-hop and birthed the beastie boys and sort of made Chili Peppers into this gigantic band. He's, like System of a Down Toxicity is one of my favorite records oh, ever. Oh, slaps. Mm. Yeah, it does slap. It man. does. And it's just Rick Rubin just being like, I know what to do. And I don't mm. think there's anyone else like who's mm. just been like, got so so uh, such an idea of genre mm. specification and can be like, here we go. Like, don't you just just do it. I know mm. what to do. It's like, I just, it would be great. Like, perfect, right. So I think all there is left to say now is thank you very much mm, for thank you. agreeing yeah. to talk to I us and stuff, it. man. And oh, no, get... so much. Like, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Oh, no, that's oh, no cool. Yeah, it's been it's really great. But can I just ask, because your manager's called Murray, how many <laughs> times have you had people make a joke about the flight of the Concords or something very similar to that. All the time. And all do, the time. And do you have to act like it's hilarious all the time, like you've never heard it before? I think I think it's more he does. I think he's more just like, <laughs> someone would just be like present, and then you're just like, oh, poor guy. Like, <laughs> there he is. Just, he's just getting it all the time. But for me, it's funny. I, mm. I, I don't know. I didn't watch too much Flight of the Concords, but I've seen enough episodes to realise that his life is now a joke, so poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the sound bite we need to have to advertise yeah. this thing, saying his life is now a joke. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think we should just have that. Listen to the psychedelic phone crumpets now. <laughs> That's his it. life is now a joke. But anyway, man, thank you very much. Once again, thank you to the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets for coming on the show. Be sure to check out their new album now. As with all of the artists featured on So It Goes, their socials will be found in the bio below. Make sure to subscribe to the So It Goes podcast to never miss an episode. See you next time on So It Goes. <laughs>